So uh, let me ask you a question. Have you ever thought about what you think about when you come down the aisle to take the Lord's Supper? What's on your mind when the usher comes to your row and motions you to come down, you know, take your, it's your, your row's turn, and there's someone standing in front of you, and there's someone standing in back of you. You know, typically our minds are on autopilot in that moment, just kind of going through the motions. It's easy to do that, right? But there's someone in front of you, and there's someone behind you, and you're taking one more step, one more step, and you're doing what I like to call the communion shuffle, you know? In that moment, what's on your mind? Chances are, there's something that's your go-to, something that you think about in that moment when you're coming up the aisle for communion. Perhaps something that's on your mind is what you picture. We say the words uh, about the night when Jesus betrayed, uh, when we consecrate the elements. Maybe what's on your mind is a picture that looks like this. This is not Michelangelo's Lord's Supper, different Ninja Turtle. This is Leonardo Da Vinci, about 1500, he painted this very famous picture called The Last Supper of Christ. There's Jesus in the middle. Maybe you think back to the past, what Jesus did on the night when he was betrayed in the upper room with his disciples. Maybe for you, it's a little different. Maybe it's not something historical. Maybe it's something present, something in reality for you this morning. You got in an argument with somebody you love in the car on your way here. You had a late night last night. There's a lot on your list. A lot you got to do when you get back home. You got to run errands. Maybe for you, you're just so weary coming up here. What you need is the presence of Jesus in your hand to strengthen you, to renew you, because you're just tired. Or maybe for you, it's not something historical. Maybe it's not something in the present. Maybe for you, it's something in the future that is to come, that when we take the Lord's Supper, we're connected with saints and archangels and all the company of heaven. You're, you realize that when you take the Lord's Supper, you're communing, that you are connected to all your family members who have gone before you in the faith, who now rest from their labor, who are in Jesus today. What's on your mind when you come up to take the Lord's Supper We've been saying over these last couple of weeks that the Easter is not just one weekend a year, that the hope of Easter and its certainty can come home to our hearts every day, not just one time a year, and that it comes to us in very tangible, ordinary ways, like ink on paper on the page in the scriptures. It's more than just ink and paper, it's God's powerful word, and that through more than just plain water, that God comes to us in baptism and makes us a part of his family, and no one can ever snatch us out of his hand. Today, through bread and wine, the body and blood of Jesus. It's the only meal of any meal that is at the same time three-dimensional, that it's past and it's present and it's a future thing at the same time. This is where we'll camp out over the next couple of minutes. If you've got one of these, one of these is probably your go-to. I want you to listen for which one of these is your 
thing that's on your brain most often, I want to invite you to add the other two to your list when we take the Lord's Supper today. You got one, it's like watching an old movie in black and white. You got two, it's you're watching a new movie in high def. But if you got all three, you're immersed in the experience. All three dimensions. It's 4K with 7.1 surround sound. Past, present, future. All right, let's start with the past. Jesus says, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. He's in the upper room with his dearest friends on the night when he was betrayed, fully aware that before him was his betrayal by one of his dearest friends and the arrest and the pain and agony of being beaten, his suffering and death on the cross, that's ahead of him. And when the disciples are in the room, they're looking back to the past too. Beyond that night where they celebrated the Lord's Supper, back to the Passover, the major event in their history where they can look back and say, this is the event that formed who we are. The salvation event from our history where we didn't just cross over a body of water, where God saved us from certain death at the hands of our oppressors and brought into our story forever new freedom and new life. He made us a people and we could belong to him forever. That, the disciples are looking back to their past. How about you when you look back, maybe not to that day back there, but let's fast forward a little bit to our lives today. What's on your list from this week? Maybe when you come forward, you're thinking about your past and where you've been historically over the story of your life, what you've been up to this week, and your own mess that you've made and your mistakes, to some degree, we need to remember what we've done. Not so that we sit in shame, but that we remember what we've done and what we're capable of doing again so that it moves us from guilt to gratitude. Because we are that messed up, and we do need the grace and the love and the mercy of Jesus to make us his people and to recreate our hearts again. To some degree, it's good to remember what we've done. But you've got, if that's as far as you look, you're not going back far enough. Not simply to your week and not simply back to Jesus and the disciples in the upper room, but to, but to remember the dark day that followed that night. This day. That's a hard picture to look at, isn't it? But to some degree, we need to look at a picture like that. A snapshot from The Passion of the Christ, the movie, to remember what he did and the pain and agony that he endured for your sake and for mine to change your past and to give you a brand new future. Maybe, maybe the past is on your mind. And let me 
invite you to think not just of Jesus and the up in, with his disciples in the upper room and not simply about what you've done, but to remember what Jesus did because of what you've done. To think back to the day he was crucified on the cross in your place. Holy communion is a past event, but not just a past one, it's a present one too. Jesus says as he celebrates the Lord's Supper with his disciples, he says, this is my body, this is my blood. Now, uh, right before Easter, I turned 41. I'm now well into my 40s. And all of us at some point reach a place in life where the cake for our birthday isn't big enough to hold all of our candles right? And so we've got two options. You know, you can either get like the number candles and put that together, a four and a one, whatever, how old you are, or maybe you just throw a bunch of candles on the cake and it kind of represents the number of years that you are old. The question for the church for centuries has been, what does the word is represent? What does it mean? Is it a real Thing? Does it refer to something specific? Is it just sort of a representative idea? Does it, is it symbolo- symbolic of something else? Because it could be a symbol. When Jesus says, this is my body and this is my blood, he could mean that this is like my body and this is like my blood when we take the Lord's Supper today in the present. But I think in order to make that case, you have to do some sort of interpretive gymnastics, and you have to say, well, Jesus, he says that, but he doesn't really mean that. And on top of that, if, if this is a symbolic event, if this is sort of a, something that we have to do, that it really, at the end of the day, if, if the bread and the wine, if they represent, if they're symbolic of the body and the blood of Jesus, really, the Lord's Supper is on your shoulders. It's up to you cognitively to remember the past and to picture in your own brain what Jesus did on your behalf when he was in the upper room, when he was on the cross, and to try to well up from inside, not just something from your head, a memory from the past, but to well up enough gratitude and emotion from your heart. Really, if the Lord's Supper is a symbol, it's on your shoulders. It's up to you. Could it be that when Jesus says, this is my body and this is my blood, that he's talking about something literal. Not that we're cannibals, not that we're actually eating the the flesh of Jesus. Could it be, though, that this is more than just bread and wine? I think it's possible. Because if Jesus can figure out how to create grain and grape and with his own words he speaks into creation if he can figure out how to wrap himself in human flesh at the incarnation when he's born he can certainly figure out how to wrap himself in bread and wine in the lord's supper today would you agree it's, it's certainly it's possible and, and if it's more than bread and wine if it's more than just a symbol guess what that also means that means it's not up to you to understand it fully, to, to be able to wrap your head around. I like the way Pastor Abel says sometimes that it would make sense that God wouldn't always make sense, right? It's not up to you and how much you understand it, just like it's not up to you and how much you deserve it. That there's no amount of sin in your life that disqualifies you from a place at his table. And a room 
in his home. The same night Jesus says, in my Father's house are many rooms. Don't you know that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and to prepare a place for you, I will come back that you may be where I am. It's certainly possible. And if it's possible, it's not up to you to understand. It's not up to you and the amount of sin in your life to get rid of. You can come to him as you are with all of your mess. Because Paul is writing to a church that's a mess. Were you paying attention to the list of the things that he names off? Uh, The church in Corinth, it's a city uh, in modern day Greece on an island south of Athens. And there are people who are showing up early and eating all of the bread and drinking all of the wine. And people are showing up late who don't have anything left. And there are people who are drinking so much wine that they're drunk. And there are major problems. There are divisions among them. Uh, I love the way that he says at the end, uh, there's some other things I'll give you directions about when I get there. It's like, you know, when your dad gets home, then he's really going to lay down the hammer. It's kind of like that. I was thinking about that this morning. It's fascinating. I was reading that. It's a mess. In our lives, if we are brave enough Our lives are way more of a mess than we are willing to admit. And Jesus says, into your mess I've come. My body has been broken for broken people just like you. This is my body for you. This is my blood. Those last two words make all the difference for you. It's a past thing, it's a present thing, and it's a future thing. Before we get to that, I want to make this point that I've forgotten. All right, can you hang on with me for a second? I think it's really easy to miss. When Paul says rhetorically, he's speaking rhetorically, is not the blessing, the cup of blessing, that was the third cup in the Passover meal that we bless, is that not a participation in the blood of Christ? Uh, it's the Greek word koinonia, uh, the, let me hear you say that just to make sure you're still with me. Koinonia, one, two, three. Koinonia, all right, great. Uh, so koinonia means communion. Okay, we, we kind of have that sense because we're taking the Lord's Supper. It means to be connected to. It means to have union with, not just in a general sense, but in a personal, intimate sense. And so when Paul says the cup of blessing that we bless, is it not a personal, intimate union with the blood of Christ. The, the bread that we break, is it not a participation in a koinonia, a personal, intimate union with the blood of Christ? He's saying rhetorically, of course it is. It's not just a past thing. It's a present thing. And when you take the Lord's Supper, you are personally, intimately connected to the presence. We call it in the Lutheran church, the real presence of Jesus who's here with you. That's point number two on to point number three. It's a future thing too. As often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Well, what happens when he comes? There's a feast of victory. As part of our Lutheran liturgy, we use a phrase like that here and there. We sing about it. A feast of victory. Paul, uh, the uh, prophet Isaiah says, Isaiah chapter 25, that on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make a feast of rich food. We've been saying over and over that Easter, that the resurrection, the new heavens and the new earth are not simply something where spiritual, where we float on clouds playing harps, you know, 
It's a real physical new heavens and new earth where we eat and laugh and dance and sing. And he will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. If you've been around here at Our Father for a little bit, you've heard us talk about Psalm 23, the fifth verse. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, David says. Not in the presence of my enemies in weakness and in fear, hoping everything's going to work out. There was an ancient practice at the time where a conquering nation would walk into the court of the defeated nation. They would tie up the king and the leaders, and they would seat them in the middle of the court, and they would, the, the conquering General and his army would sit at the king's table in his presence, in the presence of their defeated bound enemies and eat from his storehouse and eat a meal in the presence of the defeated enemies as if to say, we have won and you have lost. And so when David says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies, he's saying to you that that in the presence of your fear, in the presence of your sadness, in the presence of your weakness, your enemies, because Jesus is risen, have already been defeated, and, and not in weakness and in fear, but in victory and in strength. Paul says the last enemy to be defeated is death. We're still waiting for that one, but already by his resurrection, by the coming of his kingdom, You are his, and he is yours, and the work of victory is already underway. Which of these three things is your go-to? Maybe it's a past thing. Maybe it's a present thing. Maybe it's a future one. And let me invite you today to add two more to your list. I've been reading the Lord of the Rings books, and I've just finished the, the Return of the King, which is the third of the three books, and there's a scene at the end of the Return of the King where Pippin, who's one of the hobbits, who's on the field of battle with Gandalf, the wizard, who's like a Christ-like figure in Tolkien's story, where, where all hope is lost and the bad guys are about to defeat the good guys. And at the last moment, in the middle of this battle, Pippin hears a horn in the distance and, and the riders of Rohan, the, the reinforcements for the good guys arrive and they wipe out the bad guys. And it's said about that later in the book that, that Pippin was moved to tears and every time in his future when he heard the sound of a horn, he would begin to cry. Here's the way it's described in the book. On that day, Pippin rose to his feet as if a great weight had been lifted from him, and he stood listening to the horns, and it seemed to him that they would break his heart with joy. And never in years after could he hear a horn blown in the distance without tears starting in his eyes. Why? Because this, the horn 
was a physical, tangible experience of his salvation. And when he heard the sound of the horn for years to come, he couldn't help but be reminded of his past and the day when people gave their life on his behalf so that he could live. And that, that in the present, anytime he was grumpy or sad or upset and he heard the sound of the horn, he couldn't help but be humbled by what had happened because he knew that every moment in his life in the present and every day forward was a gift of grace. My friends today, when you open your hands, this meal is your horn in the distance. A horn from the future. It connects you to your past and the true story of the one who gave his life so that you could live. And then in the present, he says, I am here with you. Your life's a mess. I have entered your mess. You're broken. My body was broken on the cross for you to give you a future in me that is secure, that goes on forever. And you can taste it, you can touch it, you can feel it, you can, you can hear the words, this is my body, this is my blood, given and shed for you for the forgiveness of your sin, to make you more in him than you could ever be on your own. It's past, it's present, it's future. Let's take the Lord's Supper this morning and experience all three together. In the name of Christ, crucified and risen for you and for me, amen.